Hey everybody, you are listening to The Youth Vote, where we explore different ways that young people interact with politics. I'm Isaac Goff Mitchell. The younger generation you now tells me how to control the Today on the show, I'm speaking with the hosts of the Brazil Nuts podcast, Larissa and Gareth. Together, we talked about what makes their podcast so damn awesome, and I also learned a lot about Brazilian politics. Seriously, you all, I cannot recommend their show highly enough. Stay tuned. Could you two just give me a brief kind of a uh, little bit about yourselves and then whichever of you wants to take this question just like describe the general vibe of the podcast okay so the general vibe of the podcast is to make politics fun so we're trying to make politics something that anybody can listen to and laugh at even if it's something serious now there are topics that it's impossible um, but we still try to keep it light we did have to pick a niche. We couldn't just do like world politics because that's too much. So we picked Brazilian politics, but that's like the overall goal. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons we started the, the podcast itself was simply because um, when we met, I had absolutely no idea what Brazil was. Uh, as in, I, I knew it was a country, Okay, I knew it was south of the US, but outside of that, there is, I had zero knowledge about it at all. And so my thinking behind it was, is that if I don't know about it, then there's gonna be a lot of people out there who don't necessarily know what's happening in Brazil and what has happened in Brazil. And so it, it's very much about raising Aware, much like this podcast is about raising awareness uh, but in this case for uh, Brazil itself um, and when you actually get into it and dive deep into it I know nothing about politics at all I'll be honest with you I know about cheese I know about comfy socks and generally speaking, I know a lot about TV shows that are on Netflix. But apart from that, my area of knowledge is vastly, vastly limited. So uh, the idea was is that Larissa would explain Brazilian politics to somebody like myself who wouldn't necessarily have a wealth of knowledge about the subject. And who wouldn't necessarily be able to, who, on a level that they could understand it, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, that's 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 the basic idea. And then it's kind of evolved into this thing where we make terrible jokes and try and make each other <laughs> laugh. That's essentially it. Of course he lies. He's incredibly <laughs> smart, but uh, you know, the sort of details, yeah, of course but he is incredibly smart and I'm always terrified and he's gonna ask me something I don't know. So would you say that on the podcast in general, Larissa serves as the person who uh, kind of fills in the, the expert researcher role, whereas Gareth then is the one who's asking the questions and kind of making some of that content a little more digestible for people who aren't in that 
uh, political, like, I guess, mindset that Larissa might be able to tap into? The way that uh, we've, we framed it, actually, the way that Larissa framed it, have you ever seen Doctor Who at all? I, I know of it. I haven't watched it myself, actually. Okay, so Doctor <laughs> Who, for those of you who aren't familiar with the longest-running sci-fi television show in the world, we're very proud of it, UK represent. Uh, we... The Doctor, who is the central character in Doctor Who, is a wacky space alien who resolves problems by being very sciency and very smart. And the way, and they travel around in the blue police box. None of this is relevant, but I'm going to explain it anyway. They sure. travel around in a blue police box through space and time with a companion who is uh, there simply to ask questions. That's their role. They're the asking questions one. And the way that Larissa describes it is that she is the doctor and I, I am the numbskull who's along for the ride. That is, no. that is, that is no. basically where we are. Yeah, no, no, it's true. That's, that's But you're a good it. companion like Amy <laughs> or Liz. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, oh, okay, all right, okay. So I'm like Amy because... Is because she's a, clever. Is this a ginger thing? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I think this is kind of revealing a little bit, but would you, a question I wanted to ask is what is the general tone of your show? And I think that perhaps people who are listening to this are like, oh, I've already figured out what the tone of this show is. Um, would you say though that you, you approach these serious issues with kind of that jovial, like, fun-loving, uh, friendly nature? Because this show tends to be very, very serious. So we just kind of, we give you the facts and then we move on. Is that different from your approach? I think it depends on the topic. Um, we often start with something light and Gareth, you know, always picks something to begin the show that's going to be funny, something that we, you know, joked about. And also to end, we always want people to leave the show feeling a little bit better. Um, but sometimes, you know, there was one episode that we did recently, which was about um, the genocide of black youth in Brazil. And that one was really rough. And the one following that, uh, we, we talked about two little girls who were murdered by Brazilian police. And that one was very rough. Uh, to talk about that particular situation. The entire episode didn't revolve around them and around that fact, but mentioning that, you can't make that light. That doesn't exist. But you can, um, you know, talk around it. So you bring up these serious issues and you talk about them, but you start off saying, yeah, everything sucks, but we have each other. And we can you know, look each other in the eye and say, we're here and we got you. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Cause I, I guess the reason I was asking that is just cause I couldn't imagine how you, I guess I just didn't know how you would handle such serious topics. So it makes sense that sometimes you have to kind of shift your tone and like make it clear this is a more serious episode or a more serious part of an episode. Um, if you're okay with, oh, sorry, go ahead, Gareth, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's actually a conscious effort to that shift the tone or um, even 
even address the subject directly. It's more a case of obviously there are some things that you aren't going to be able to talk about in an upbeat manner that just aren't. I mean, we, we did two episodes on the abolition of slavery in Brazil, which was in-depth and honestly heartbreaking. Uh, and yet there's, there's still moments where you can have, you know, a, a sense of, okay, so this thing is horrible, but there is a way to look at this in a light that isn't so drastically depressing and awful in a million different ways. And that I think is that I think is where we tend to try and try and be. Doesn't always work that way because Brazil is, ooh, it's a complex beast. And <laughs> and for all the good things that happen in Brazil, there are a million, a million terrible atrocities that have also happened as well. Uh, but it is it is something that we try at least to strive towards. So on that note, you mentioned that Brazil is complex and this kind of other thing I wanted to talk about is some intro to Brazilian politics type content. And so the context I wanna give you both though is that I was actually looking before this interview and 90% of our listeners are in the United States. Um, so most of the people who listen to this episode probably a very basic, if any, knowledge of Brazil and Brazilian politics. Kind of, Gareth, like you described where you were before you started doing this podcast. Still am. Um, still am. Okay, where you still are after having done this podcast. I retain uh, nothing. I retain <laughs> nothing at all. I am like a giant ginger colander. That's what I am. Oh, it just goes right just, through. Just goes right through, straight through. It's dreadful, honestly. Well, it's good because at least we get the content then and us listeners can absorb it maybe. And so you're serving an important <laughs> he, has an he has an eidetic memory. It's crazy, <laughs> really. Um, so one question I have is, could you just, in however basic terms it's possible, could you describe Brazil's government and political system? I know that that's so vague and so large and you're both making faces at that question. Um, <laughs> is it possible to kind of, give that like basic description of what your government and political system is like. Yes. Larissa is going to take this one. I'm <laughs> going to look around to see if I've got a pack of cards or maybe a yo-yo that I can do in the meantime, because this, okay. is, this is going to take a while. It's not. So Brazil, <laughs> like the United States, is a federalist country. So we have states and state elections. We also have a president. Uh, constitutionally, it has stronger powers, like the presidency has stronger powers than the United States presidency. Uh, we have a chamber of deputies, which will be like our House of Representatives, and a Senate. So, but we, instead of voting for one person to represent one region, we have proportional representation. So we vote for each voter has one vote, of course, but we select based on a much larger region. So for instance, my state is an entire district. 
each state okay. is an entire district. So the representation of each state is proportional to its population. So the state of Minas Gerais has 54 representatives, no, 53 representatives uh, in the Chamber of Deputies and it has three senators. Each state has three senators. Then you have uh, legislative assemblies, assemblies in each state, and then you have uh, municipal chambers because the electoral system, it's identical uh, for each federal entity. And that's basically it. Okay. Um, and you mentioned your president has more power. I wanted to ask if you could talk a little bit about your current president, simply because <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the reason I ask is because- He's I, I a treat. Know well i know he's interesting um and <laughs> he made it into the united states media sphere and not to you know harp on the kind of stereotype of the ignorant self-centered americans but re in rea reality it's very infrequent that another country's politics makes it into our news like it, it really generally you have to be seeking out that news in order to find it here um but um I would just be interested to hear that you two talk a little bit about him and his kind of impact. And is it true? Because the way he was, per, I guess, per, portrayed in the media is this this evil monster who kind of took uh, control. Is that a correct perception that that we have? What you kind of have to understand about Brazilian politics is that it it from an outsider looking in. There are terrifying similarities in Brazilian politics that run through it that reflect in the US and the UK and so on. I'll give an example. I don't know if you saw this story at all, but a couple of days ago, there was a manatee that was discovered off the, uh, off the coast of Florida. Um, you know, a manatee, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a big wobbly nonsense of a sea creature. Uh, it had been found with the word Trump written on its back. Now, the way that news articles described it is that the word Trump had been carved on its back, which is technically true, but manatees are covered in algae pretty much constantly because they are wobbly nonsenses of a sea creature. And so therefore they're like, I, I, I just can't do anything about this algae. I really, I've changed my shampoo. What else can I do to get rid of this algae? However, at some point, somebody had grabbed this manatee and just written the word Trump in the algae on the back of the manatee and let it go. And then somebody somewhere else had photographed it and seen this thing and thing. And you think to yourself, that's a, that's a weird story. That's a story that's unlikely to happen anywhere else. You know, something where just a random animal has been inserted into the political landscape for no fault of its own. And then you go back a couple of months in Brazil and you remember that the president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, got into a fist fight with a wild ostrich in front of reporters. And that's the kind of thing that you're dealing with. It's everything. It beaked by an emu, technically. It was a well, okay, fine. It was an emu, but it's a giant, <laughs> scary bird with talons. That's my point. It is essentially the descendant of a velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, 
the the point about this is that is that everything that is awful about US politics in the current climate and everything that is wonderful about US politics in the current climate is reflected in Brazil, it's just turned up to 11. Brazil is the hold my beer of politics, essentially. And it, it does reflect in the current president, who is legitimately, how, how to delicately put this, an absolute walking nightmare wrapped in a barrage of awful and yet somehow he is the president of an entire country which is quite significantly larger than my, my own <laughs> right well yes Gareth is completely right um part of why Bolsonaro I think made it into the U.S. media and why he is so famous here, why he managed to become what he is, is the polarization that we are seeing worldwide, including in the United States. He supports Trump. He is, the, he is one of the very few leaders who did not uh, congratulate President-elect Biden. Um, his kids wore MAGA hats. One of them named his daughter Georgia after the state of Georgia which to us was very funny right yeah, now. Yeah, now, now it's ironic. <laughs> yes, we have all really loved what happened. Uh, he was elected with a third of the vote because in Brazil we have mandatory voting. So everybody has to vote. Um, the thing is people are allowed to vote however they want. So a third of the people voided their votes. And so slightly more voted towards him than they voted for the rival, Fernando Haddad. When you say voided their vote, is that like, did they vote for just someone who couldn't win? Is that what you mean or? No, they, because we have, uh, we have runoffs. So we had okay. uh, a first round with a whole bunch of candidates. Then we have runoff and then we had runoffs with only two. And when you avoid your vote, you either don't. So they either didn't show up to vote because you have mandatory voting, but the fine for not voting is ridiculously small. It's even smaller than the bus fare to go make your situation corrected after you haven't voted. Um, so you go in and you push into the electronic ballot box uh, a number that doesn't exist, that is not running. And so you oh, invalidate okay. your vote and that vote isn't counted. So the valid votes out of the valid votes, he had 51 or 52%. So that's how he won. So it's the people who invalidated their votes. If some of them had voted for the other guy, right? we would have had a lawyer with a PhD in economics. No, sorry, a master's in economics and a PhD in political science as a president. Instead, we got the guy who was a congressman for 28 years and hadn't passed a single bill. Interesting. It does seem that's interesting. You said so many folks showed up and 
voided their votes because that's a huge complaint people have here about votings. They always say the winner was no vote. Like the person, you know, most people didn't vote or a huge amount of people didn't vote. So um, it's, it's just interesting to me that even mandatory voting doesn't seem to solve that problem. Yeah, it does sometimes. And in this particular case, with the high levels of polarization that we have now, now we're seeing this kind of numbers. These kind of numbers are kind of scary because what happened was the, the rival candidate was from the workers' party. So there are many people who are like, I can't vote for either one. So the yeah. workers' party or the president or is the party of Lula and Juma. So these people are really the people I fault. I don't fault the people who voted for Bolsonaro. I fault the people who invalidated their votes because they said to themselves, I can't vote for Bolsonaro. Then you have to vote for somebody else. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And so has Bolsonaro had an, uh, obviously, I guess he has, but what has been the, the major impact of his presidency so far um, now that it's been a few years with him in office? That, that was an impact mainly of the coup. So we had a legislative coup in 2016 and the vice president uh, came into power. So Michelle Temer, and almost immediately um, in a few months, then you had Bolsonaro president and we were back in the world hunger map. So that is a continuation of that vice president's um, term as president. Uh, we also have 200,000 deaths right now with COVID. And I just heard a survey yesterday, I was reading about this. Uh, before he said that he wasn't going to take the vaccine, nine people said, 9% of people said they weren't going to be vaccinated. Now it's 20%. So that's the kind of impact. One of his sons is responsible for running a hate cabinet within the presidency. So they actually create uh, hate campaigns to go on Twitter and Facebook and just social media to create fake news. I see. So, so that's they're, the they're, kind of impact. So they're intentionally just like stirring the pot and getting people to be even more polarized than they were uh, before. And ignorant and ignorant interesting um, i think um the uh i mean in many ways trump's pres presidency when it you look back at it through history will be dominated by his mishandling of the uh, coronavirus pandemic i think the same accusation the exact same accusation will be leveled against bolsonaro because ultimately if you look at the places that have dealt with what is an extreme situation, the absolute poorest, you would look at the US, you would look at the UK, and you would look at Brazil. And at the moment, they're the ones that are struggling to actually get past it and get a terrible, terrible situation under control. And the issue is, however, 
the difference is, is that obviously Trump's approval rating plummeted under uh, during this period. Boris Johnson at the moment, I think, is where they'd had a uh, the Westminster voting uh, poll uh, for the first time in years and years and years and years. Labour have overtaken the Conservative Party there. So that's a, dir a direct reflection of what is happening and how the public are perceiving his leadership during this period. Bolsonaro, on the other hand, it's made zero difference to his approval ratings at all whatsoever. And that is that is one of the major issues, is that it's it's it seems to have zero effect on his chances of re-election and so on and so forth. And that's that's a concern. That's a worry. That's interesting. Um I I, I guess I didn't realize <laughs> that. And it's interesting the way that you've set it up as there are these similar issues happening on different parts of the globe and i think that that is uh it just it makes it easier to understand as well if you can think oh it's just like what's happening where i am um i did want to oh, ask the you oh, similarities sorry, are, the similarities are uh, extraordinary honestly the way the, i mean the way they, i mean talk about what's happened in the past uh, as we're recording this the past week in the u.s where there's been an attempted coup uh by a bunch of dickheads trying to storm the capitol building i don't think we're allowed to swear you can ISIS. swear i don't yeah you can i don't just okay. yeah you wouldn't be the first guest suddenly do you know what honestly you've opened you've opened a portal <laughs> to to hell with larissa now because she will just whip up a storm she's like a sailor honestly she's worse than a sailor she's a hardy hardy whaler is that is allegations <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh you've seen it in the past week about you know this this whole thing about the coup and yet it was only four years ago that there was a legislative coup in brazil so that's already happened and that's led directly to where it is now where we have the installation of a not so great president that's that's the point. The all the similarities are there. We talk talk about um, things like the uh, uh, BLM movement and so on, about how you had these protests against uh, this terrible injustice and atrocity that happened within the U.S. And yet, merely months ago, you had two black children who were shot and killed by military police in Brazil. So it's not something that just that is happening in the U.S. It's something that's happening there as well. And it's it's that it's so it's not just the the similarities politically, but socially and so on and so forth. It's the, everybody is dealing with exactly the same problems and exactly the same issues. And yeah. Yeah, I think when it comes to the the, the question of race and racism and specifically about black people, uh, because it's two countries that dealt with slavery that had mm. slavery for many, many years. Brazil was the last country to abolish slavery. And we were the ones who uh, received the largest number of enslaved people. I mean, to have these kind of similarities, um, it's kind of obvious that they are going to happen. Right, yeah. yeah. But even then you talk about the um, 
coronavirus pandemic and we talk about how people are reluctant to wear masks and so on and so forth uh, in the US and how it's a, you know, they see it as a kind of, you know, impinging on their freedoms and so on. And yet at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, there was a march in Brazil protesting the actual virus. And so you had this huge throng of people huge throng of people gathered together in the streets next to each other shoulder to shoulder marching through the streets to protest a virus in the most insane and dangerous way you can possibly protest a virus a contagious disease that's the thing it's again it's very much the same mental and the same issues over and over again it's just it's framed slightly differently but that's 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 one of the brilliant things about Brazilian politics is that if you want to learn about the wider world, if you want to see how politics works and so on, you should look at Brazil because Brazil is everything that's happening everywhere else. It's just amplified. It's just on a different level. Hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, well, I think talking to you two, and then uh, I can't recommend your podcast enough, Brazil Nuts. Uh, I have listened to two or three episodes now, and it's one of the few podcasts that's made me ever laugh out loud, actually <laughs> laugh out loud. But then also it's one of the podcasts that's the most informative. So um, I just wanted to say thanks for doing that. And lastly, as we kind of get towards the end of this interview, I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you two would want to say to my predominantly 18 to 29 year old, mostly American audience as we wrap up this interview. I just want to give you that platform if there's any final message you'd like to leave on. Read, study, study beyond the United States. Yes, knowing your history, knowing your politics is really important, but it is also important to know where everybody else is coming from also studying the impact of the United States and other countries. Um, there is strong evidence of the United States influence on the 2016 coup. The influence of the United States, the, the assistance that it gave in the 1964 coup is undisputed. Um, so yeah, knowing that kind of thing is really important when you're talking about your own politics. Uh, I don't deny the Brazilian aspect of our imperialism over South America. So that's something to know, but also vote, participate. Uh, if you're not a joiner, cause I'm not, so I understand that. I understand that it's hard to go, especially in a pandemic, but in general to go to a protest, find other ways, talk to people, write, um, you just, do something because in your country, voting is not mandatory. So you need to actually get people to vote, which is insane to me that you actually have to convince people that they have to vote. You have to vote. So just do that, please. Also, if you're listening to this in the US, look at your state that you live in and work out how many times whales can fit into it <laughs> and then tweet me the answer where can we tweet you great. the answer uh ooh, 
Uh, at Elvis in the Woods. At Elvis in the Woods is mine. Uh, <laughs> if you're looking for more about our podcast, however, which is way more important because I will not answer you on Twitter, uh, it's at Brazil Nuts Pod. Okay, we'll put that in the description. So if you're listening to this, that is available in the description. Um, both of you, thank you so much for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. And this was a, a first for the youth vote. Thank you. for Yeah. I, thank I mean, you for yeah. having us. It was, it's <laughs> been an absolute pleasure. We are constantly going to talk over each other. It's fine. Um, but Wonderful. thank you. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. The editing our podcast is insane because we talk over each other all the time. <laughs> yeah, I believe yeah. it. Okay, thank you so, so much to the Brazil Nuts for speaking with me today. It was a blast to talk with both of you, and I wish you well on your podcasting adventures. Thanks also to all of you who listened to this episode. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode. The Youth Vote is hosted by me, Isaac Mitchell, produced and edited by Jamie Hobbs, with cover art from Cole Callahan intro and outro music by Ennio Gallucci, and social media management by Bridget Junker.